So we're, we're in uh, Philippians chapter 2 today. Uh, if you're visiting today, God bless you. We welcome you this morning. Uh, we've been preaching, teaching through various epistles. We're in Philippians now. Last week we finished chapter 1. And uh, so today we're starting chapter 2, the first four verses. So let me read that and then uh, we'll, preach, we'll preach to you. Why don't we stand together as we read the word? Can we do that? Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we're right here on this particular day. And we pray your blessing over the sermon. Lord, I know you put some thoughts in my mind and spirit to share today. Help me to do it, Lord, according to your plan for this day. Let there be let there be clarity. Let there be some compassion and passion. Let your word bring you glory and honor, O oh God. And let your word bring us the guidance and the feeding that we need as we sit at your table today. So we thank you for it, Lord, and welcome your Holy Spirit to bring it home to our spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. By the way, uh, today at 4 o'clock, we're having a water baptism. I think we have seven people ready to be baptized. Um, if you need to be baptized, come here at 4 o'clock with a change of clothes, and we'll talk to you about it. Uh, but uh, we'll be doing it at 4. And then uh, at 6 o'clock is our live stream prayer time. So between 4 and 6, we'll do the baptism, get, then get back onto the prayer, the live stream prayer at 6. So please come and join us this afternoon if you can. Uh, it's good to have some witnesses in the house that watch these dear people get baptized. That's part of the part of the plan of the Lord to do that. OK, so anyway, Philippians chapter two. Uh, last week, we ended up with verses 27 through 30 in chapter one. And uh, we left you with uh, three ideas to join the team. If you remember, uh, Paul is in jail up in Rome. Uh, Timothy's with him. The Philippians had their own adversaries. They were having their troubles too. And Paul was kind of making a comparison that they all had issues to deal with. Um, remember his issue was he wasn't sure if he was going to live or die, if he should live or die. He was trying to figure that out. He finally decided that I'm going to decide on, on live, being here and working with you if the Lord allows that. But there were three things in those verses. Verse 27, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel. And there wasn't a list of 10 things to do or 10 things not to do. It was more or less just get plugged into the body of Christ and draw strength and hope from one another. And then as we progress through that, be a witness for the Lord to the unsaved as well as to the saved. And then uh, verses 29 and 30 our favorite scripture to begin to suffer for Christ. Verse 29 says that we're called to not only believe, but to suffer as well. In verse 30, he said that we have the, the same conflict. They have the same conflict. I rem remember making the comment last week that 
I'm going to start calling salvation a conflict because it is a conflict. We're, we're running against the way of the world now. We're, we're in conflict with the way of the world. That's what he's talking about. We looked at Matthew 7 where Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. But when we enter on the narrow gate, we enter the conflict of life. Because the whole rest of the world is going that way, and we're going this way. And so that's what he was saying there. So it, it continues in chapter 2, and he's, he starts with the word therefore. And he's, uh, so therefore meaning based on the above, or now that that's established, or in light of the above... Uh, and that therefore, let me just kind of digress a little bit, is similar to verse 27 where it has the word only. So if you remember, we were talking about why he said only in verse 27. Well, he was saying all these things about the dilemma he was going through. And now he's saying in verse 27, only now let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. In other words, I'm going through my stuff. I want you to go through your stuff and let's do this together. I'm in Rome, you're over there, but still we're in this conflict together. In a similar way, he say, says in chapter 2, verse 1, um, because of what I just said in 27 to 30, uh, therefore, you know, therefore, but he really, just try to follow me here. I know I'm all over the place, but follow me right here. He really goes down to verse number 2. What he's saying is, therefore, fulfill my joy. So he's saying all this stuff, and I, I'm saying all this stuff so that you would fulfill my joy. But verse number one contains a, a, a rhetorical aspect, four rhetorical questions that is a literary way to make a point. Now, all the questions he asks in verse number one are in the affirmative, but it, 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 it empowers verse number two. So if everything in verse number one is yes and amen, then please do verse number two. So Paul is building upon this whole thing, but let me take it a little bit farther if I can. What he's really getting at, he, he hasn't arrived to what he really wants to get to yet. What he really wants to get to is verse number five, which we're not going to look at today too much, but he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when he's building up this whole theology about how we are supposed to act in our conflict, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, how do we live our lives? So he goes into, we won't do it now, but next week, Lord willing, verses 5 through 11, he talks all about Jesus, who emptied himself from glory and came down and lived among us and gave his life as a ransom. And, and that's the example we are to follow to live this life and to overcome the conflict that we have in this life. So anyway, I've entitled the message today, Humility, the Way of Christ. Humility, the Way of Christ. And let me just say this in case anyone is not aware of it. Humility is the antithesis of pride. And pride is absolutely the mark of Satan. I want to be like him. And so if there's pride in our lives, uh, if I could go back in my life, if someone were to say, what was my life like before I was a Christian, became a Christian at age 26, I would say my life was characterized by being prideful. It was all about me. 
And I didn't realize it at the time, but that was the opposite way of how I was, was supposed to live in regards to my relationship with God, which I really didn't have a relationship with God at that time. But today we're going to do what we do. We're going to go through these verses, verse by verse. And then I want to give you three stages of humility that are needed to follow Christ in these days. With me still? Are you with me still? All right. Well, verse number one, he says, therefore, therefore, now then, or only, or you also, and jumping down to verse number two, therefore, please fulfill my joy. But, but, but verse number one has what I would call the if-then scripture. Most of us know 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and repent of their sin, I, I, will, I will hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sin. So if they do that, I will do that. It's a similar, there's a lot of if-then scriptures, but this is similar. If verse number one is true, then please do verse number two is what he's saying. So I want to talk about the four things in verse number one. We won't go too deeply into it, but it's important to get the gist of what he's saying because that empowers verse number two. He says, if there's any consolation in Christ, can I ask you a question? Is there any consolation in Christ? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. There's meaning encouragement, meaning uh, support, help. There's guidance in Christ. Let me give you a few scriptures to think about. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus was just a little baby. But Joseph and Mary brought him to the temple to be dedicated and while he was being dedicated, lo and behold, a prophet comes by named Simeon, who was a just and devout man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And when he sees the Christ child, there's a witness in his spirit. This is the Messiah. So that phrase consolation of Israel is a messianic term used to describe Jesus. Is there any consolation in the consolation of Israel? Yeah, absolutely. It, they go hand in hand. Then he goes in verse number one. Is there any, any comfort of love? Well, if anyone has been around Jesus, you know that God is love. There's a lot of love with Jesus. But in 2 Corinthians 1.5, Paul writes to the uh, Corinthians there. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. So, well, I'm sorry, we're still in, we're still in the, the consolation of Christ part. Uh, so there's consolation in Christ, th even though we may suffer. Is there any, any comfort of love? Yeah, 2 Corinthians 1.3. We shared this last Sunday night during the live stream prayer. The God of all comfort. May the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our sickness and sorrows, May that God who comforts us now allow us to comfort you in your sorrows and your problems. The word comfort here is from the Greek word parakletos, which means come alongside of and help. This is the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. And it's the comfort of love, the agape love of God, the unconditional, unlimited, never-ending love of God that strengthens us and encourages us and accepts us. Then he says in verse number one, uh, okay, consolation of Christ, comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit. 
Is there any fellowship of the Spirit? You ever meet someone who's a Christian and you don't know them, but you feel a, 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 a kindred spirit with them? That's the fellowship of the Spirit. That's, that's, only, that's something only God can do. We call it the koinonoi, koinonoia. That means fellowship, togetherness in the gospel. John 3 says that we are born again by the Spirit. Romans 8 said that we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And if I do that and you do that, that makes us related. We have the same Father. Romans 8 also says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So is there fellowship of the Spirit? Absolutely. And then verse number one, he says, is there any affection or any love? Is there any mercy? There's absolutely love and mercy all over the gospel. Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. 2 Samuel says, your mercies are great. And Psalm 25, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. So verse number 1 is there any consolation in Christ? Yes. Is there any comfort of love? Absolutely. If there's any fellow, is there any fellowship of the Spirit? Yes. Is there any affection and mercy? It's all true. And I would say verse number one gives us a foundation of how to navigate this life that we're in in the conflict that we're in. We have a relationship with the Lord. He encourages us. He loves us. He, he allows us to have fellowship with the Spirit. And he gives us love and mercy. So all of that to say, going to verse number two, if that's true, then Paul's saying to the church, fulfill my joy. Now it's personal. My joy. And you would sometimes wonder, why is that personal connection like that? Um, but I think Paul gives us a guide or a, a a prototype of what, what a New Testament church would be like as far as the people in the church and the leadership of the church. Guess what? He cares for them. He loves them. He's giving his life for them, in a sense, by sitting up in the jail up in Rome. But um, it tells us that in a relationship like this, say, there should be a love and a respect and an honor between us. There should be something special between us. Paul is, has already talked about, we looked at it in the weeks previous, communication was there, relationship was there, connection was there. He loved them, he believed in them, he prayed for them, and they prayed for him as well. So what he's saying is, if verse number one is true, if this gospel that we're standing on, you could say even further, if this gospel that I preach to you is true, and it is true, then fulfill my joy. Fulfill my joy. In other words, uh, allow me to, to know that you're doing okay. Allow me to know that, that our work with you is bearing good fruit. Uh, and and let, let your experience in the Lord motivate you to fulfill my joy and, and make me rejoice in you. And he says in verse number two, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, by 
by having the same love, by being of one accord, of one mind. I like how he breaks it down like that. But, but fulfill my joy by being like-minded in the same faith, in a deep unity of the faith. Fulfill my joy by being, being of the same love for God and for others. Fulfill my joy in, in how you relate to one another. Fulfill my joy in one accord, as in Acts 2.1. They were in one accord when the Holy Spirit fell. There's power when there's unity. There's blessing when there's unity. And fill, fulfill my joy as you are with one mind, as in Psalm 133. <clears throat> Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's where the blessing of God falls. So, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay. So Paul's kind of laying down the, the foundation of the gospel. What's the key to, the, to living a successful, victorious Christian life is following Christ's example, which he didn't get to yet, but we can see already he's heading in that direction. So if, if we want to have a successful Christian life, let us be humble before God and humble before one another. He goes further in verse number three. <clears throat> verse number three. <clears throat> he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. And I think these are some corrective verses for the church in Philippi. They may have had a tendency to, be, to need this correction. We see it up in verse 27 as well. And we see it in chapter 4 as well. But let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Um, nothing for self promotion that you would look good or you would advance yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your conceit. In other words, he's saying remove pride and ego and self from your mind and from your spirit. You are not always the center of attention. Jesus is. And I, I find, as I was studying for this, I find, I find it almost difficult to talk about it because we shouldn't have to. I'm thinking, okay, Paul, I get what you're saying, Paul, but wasn't, weren't these things already settled? D doesn't everybody know from other writings, other passages, we're supposed to die to ourselves and live for Christ and love and respect one another? I think everyone knows that, but not everyone does that. You know why? We all have an ego. <laughs> we all have a pride problem. We all have that mark of Satan on our heart that makes us want to get puffed up and say, hey, wait a minute, it's about me here. It's a reminder to say, no, if you really want to serve God, if you really want to be victorious in Christ, you've got to be humble before God and humble before people. It doesn't matter how far you get in life, how much money you make, how much you know, how much Bible you know, how much Bible school you went to or whatever. It doesn't matter how big your home is or how many cars you have or whatever. It, it's just, it's always a matter of being humble before God. And I, I, I was fighting with this, actually, all day yesterday. I was not fighting, but just saying, Lord, okay, this is where we are. This is what, we, this is what we're going to do. But I'm just thinking, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, sometimes we might think, well, I've been a Christian for X amount of years. I'm beyond all that. But you know what? It's not true. I think all of us are like this far away from a big calamity. 
I mean, I don't know if, if any people ever push your buttons or, or things happen in life and you don't understand why and you begin to wonder, you act out a little bit. And it's almost like you go back to where you were before you were even saved. Well, maybe not that bad, but you know what I mean. You go back in your, in your mind, in your life, and, and you're responding just like you weren't saved. So I think the, these, this type of a scripture is what I would call a reminder that no matter how many years we've been walking with Jesus, it does not matter one bit. We've got to stay humble before Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you can remember when you got saved, what it was like when you got saved, what you were dealing with at that time. You know, and now you think, well, I'm a million miles away from all that. Thank God. And yeah, thank God that's true. But please don't ever forget that. Because that's what brought you to Christ in the first place. Amen. There's another thing that's been on my mind. I shared it a few weeks ago quickly. I'm not ready to preach on it, but I just want to mention it right here. There's a scripture in Psalms 139. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Sometimes, like, like the, these, this passage reminds me, sometimes there's friction between people or situations. I call them afflictions. Things happen. But before I, was a, before I had these troubles, I just was like coasting through my life, just doing what I do. But now I have these afflictions, and now I'm dealing with my own heart in these afflictions, and now I'm not going astray. You know, it goes on. That story goes on. I think it's 2 Samuel 15. When David was going somewhere and there was a guy hiding in a cave throwing stones at David. Do you know this story? And, 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 and one, David's right-hand man wanted to go over there and cut his head off. And David said, no, 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 don't do that. He's sent from God. And the man was throwing stones at David, saying, I'm, I'm throwing stones at you. you. You kill too many people. And that was one thing that the Lord did hold against David. He had a, a thing about that. And, and so this person was, David said, no, let him go. He's been sent by God as though to remind David of his own issues. And that affliction caused David to stay on the straight and narrow path. So when I read Philippians 2, okay, do I know that there's consolation in Christ? Personally, I know that. I received that. I received that 40 years ago in my moment of despair. Sitting on a, a stone wall, crying my eyes out over a situation, just being beside myself. I felt the love of God take me. Do I know that there's a comfort, any comfort of love? Yes. Do I know that there's fellowship in the spirit? Yes. I know that. I, I get that. I feel that. I need that. Do, do I know there's any, any affection and mercy? Yeah. I get all that. So now that I get all that, guess what the Lord is, now the Holy Spirit is saying to us, fulfill my joy. Okay, fulfill Paul's joy, but you know, fulfill the joy of the Lord and, and being like-minded with people because we're all in the same boat, church. None of us have arrived yet. None of us have achieved that degree of perfection you know, that we're going to get in glory, but we're, we're fighting the good fight. We're in, verse 30, we're in the conflict. 
So if I get the gospel, and if I want to live the gospel, it's not going to be how well I preach or how much I know or how many people come to the church or whatever we do. It's not about that. It's about me and you loving each other. That's what it's about. It's about us loving other Christians from other fellowships that are in the gospel too. It's about, you know, sharing our faith and living our faith out in real life, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Well, let me go on. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Well, you know, Maybe someone would say, well, I could do that job at the church. I want recognition for that job or whatever. No, we don't do it for that reason. Do it in lowliness of mind. Let each one esteem others better than himself. I heard a preacher a few weeks ago say, Ronald Reagan, I think it was, had a plaque on his desk that said something like, um, it's, it's amazing how... how, how uh, how, how many good things we can accomplish if we're not worried about who gets the credit. And, and it was a sense of like united uh, unity that he was thinking of. But we esteem others better than ourselves. And verse number four, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I always found that interesting when I first came to Christ because I really thought that my faith was just a personal matter between me and Jesus. I didn't know about all this fellowship business. I didn't even know what fellowship was. I asked my pastor one day, what is fellowship? He told me, well, we're having fellowship right now. I said, what, what is it? He said, we're just together talking, hanging out together. I said, that's fellowship? He goes, yeah. I didn't even know. But I didn't realize that being a Christian means that we are now associated with one another. And we have a responsibility to love each other. So, humility, the way of Christ. Christians are called to walk humbly before God and before man. Humility is not weakness. Humility is strength. Humility is when potential is released and awareness begins to happen. Our strength, our hope, our power is from God. And Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians. He said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm humbled, I depend on God more. But that's the way of Christ. I'm sharing with you, church, if we're going to make it, we've got to get humble. If you want to make it, I know you want to make it. You've got to get humble. I was humbled the other day. Many years ago, uh, as I was pastoring in another place, we supported a missionary to Bangladesh. The young man was from Massachusetts. His name was Larry Mangoni. And Larry was a great missionary, had him at our church, he spoke. He came back to the States and started pastoring a church. And he passed away last week, 60 years old. And um, he passed away last Sunday. And uh, that was my birthday. But the week before, on his, on his church's Facebook page, was him preaching, sitting in a chair. He was so weak, but he was preaching. And I thought, this man has been faithful to the end. 
He's humbly serving God, even through his sickness. And um, so that was on Sunday. The next Sunday he died and went to heaven. But that humbles me. You know, I had my birthday last week, 72. I'm healthy, thank God. I asked the Lord, Lord, why did you take Larry? Why did you take me? I'm older. <laughs> and God's ways are different, aren't they? You don't know what God's doing. My mom's 96. I'm not done yet. <laughs> my mom's 96. My brother died when he was 19 in a car accident. How do you figure? How do you figure this? You can't. You know, I, I hear people get cancer all the time. And I pray. We pray all the time for people. I think, Lord, I, I'm glad I don't have anything, but why don't I? <laughs> There's no reason. God's, well, God has a reason. I don't know what it is, but life has a way of humbling us. And, and if we don't humble ourselves, God will make things happen that will humble us. I'm convinced of that. That's like the affliction thing. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Who cares? I'm just co coasting along my way. But now that I've been afflicted, <laughs> I'm back on the straight and narrow. Could be people rising up against you. Not to get too personal, but it could be a speeding ticket. <laughs> it could be a car accident. Things happen. You think they have nothing to do with God? They have everything to do with God. God's, God's speaking to you through these things. There's a problem. There's a financial problem, problem you're having. What's God saying through that? He's humbling you. He's breaking you. Oh, but Lord, I was broken 40 years ago. Yeah, that was 40 years ago. You need to be broken now. Because there's a tendency of the heart to get prideful again. Oh, I, I have God. We're all set. I could do basically what I could cut the corners a little bit now. No, not really. Well, let me give you three stages of humility, okay? The first stage is this. If you, if you want to be humble, you want to follow the way of Christ, the first area is you've got to know Jesus. You've got to know Jesus. Do you know the Jesus of verse number one? The one who gives encouragement, the one who gives comfort, the one who has the fellowship in the spirit, the one who gives love and mercy. I wonder if you've ever experienced the mercy of God since your salvation. Can I say something? We need his mercy after salvation. I mean, it's, yes, at salvation, absolutely. But we need his mercy after salvation. Mercy is not getting the punishment that is due to us. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is not getting the punishment. But do you know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Let me give you some of his names in the Bible. He's the man from Galilee. He's the bread of life. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the Almighty One. He's the advocate with the Father. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the good shepherd. He's the great high priest. He's the great I am. He's the king of glory. He's the lamb of God. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. He's Messiah. He's our hope, our redeemer. He's the risen Lord. He's our rock. He's our savior. He's, our, he's the door. He's the way. He's the word. He's the truth. He's the victorious one. He's the true vine. Do you know him? 
Do you know him? Do you know the one that gives encouragement, consolation, that gives his love, that fills, fills us with the Holy Spirit? John 14, 1 says, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Do you know this Jesus? John 16, 7 says, it's better that I go away, that when I do, I will then send the Holy Spirit to you. Oh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Lord gave them utterance, right? They were filled with power to be a witness. Do you know that Jesus? He's the baptizer. Do you know the Jesus that in John 19, he said one word in, in, the, in the Greek language, tetelestai, meaning it is finished. The debt has been paid. It's a business term. Stamped, paid in full, out of love for me and for you. Do you know that Jesus? Hebrews 4.15 says this. We do not have a great high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, yet he's without sin. Let us draw near boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace and to help in our time of need. Do you know this Jesus? But see, to know him, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, if you want to come with me, if you want to know me, if you want to hang with me, he said, you have to crucify your life. Pick up your cross. uh, Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow after me. It's not just a one-time thing. I mean, 40 years ago when I said yes to Jesus, At that point, thinking back on it, it was relatively a no-brainer. I needed to do something. I needed Jesus. I got to know him then for my need then. But all this time later, a lot of water under this bridge, let me tell you, since then. I need Jesus today. I need the one today that could baptize me with the Holy Spirit for today. I need the one today that will meet my need And so how do I do that? Well, Lord, here I am. It's me. You know me. He's saying, you know what? You want to hang with me? You deny yourself, pick up your cross, and you follow me. See, to follow Christ is a humbling experience. Even as you progress through life, and you think you might have it all together, but deep down you know you don't. It's always an act of humility to know Jesus. So let me encourage you. If you want to walk with the Lord, if you want to follow the way of Christ, know Jesus Christ. Let me give you number two, second stage, verses two and three. Well, verses two and three, you know, talk about being of one mind and all this other stuff. But David said it the best, I think, in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The second point is to know yourself. Verses 2 and 3, if you really think about it, are you like that? Am I like that all the time? Well, maybe I try, but we're supposed to be like that. But what I'm saying is we have to know ourselves. Where are we with God? What are our priorities? Psalm 51, David said, my sin is ever before me. 1 Samuel 12, in response to Nathan the prophet, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. So if we want to be humble, if we want to follow the way of Christ, 
We have to let go of verses three and, uh, 2 and 3, self-ambition and conceit, and get into this mind frame of being lowly in mind, and get honest with ourselves. Are we spiritually blind? You know, a few Wednesdays ago, we were talking about King Saul in our Wednesday night Bible study. King Saul, he would say things to Samuel, but I did follow the Lord. I did obey his commands. And Samuel says, what's this bleating of the sheep I hear? You're supposed to kill them all. Well, I wanted to save a few because, you know, I wanted to sacrifice them. Well, no, you weren't obedient. He was spiritually blind. So I'm just saying, if, if we want to get humble before God, we've got to do some soul searching and get to know ourselves. Colossians 3.12 says, put on humility and meekness. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Ephesians 4.2 says, bear with one another in love with humility and gentleness. 1 Peter 5.8 says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Romans 12.3 says, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. And 1 Corinthians 1 says that God has chosen the foolish things to put to shame the wise and the weak things to put to shame the mighty. So if you want to follow the way of Christ, you got to know Jesus, but you got to know yourself too. Where are you in life? Where are you in your thoughts about yourself, about, about God, about your family, about your money? What do you do with your money? What you do with your money tells a lot about where your heart is. But in James 1.25, we, we read this. Look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it. That's the word of God. Not being a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of the word and you will be blessed. So if you want to walk with the Lord, you got to know Jesus, but you got to know yourself as well. And like I said, like I got saved a long time ago. Praise God. I'm happy. But I got saved today, too, I want you to know. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. That's what the Word tells us. So I, wanna, I do know myself. And you know what I know about myself? I need Jesus. Alone, I'm no good. Uh, let me put it this way. I need Jesus, and then I need my wife. <laughs> True. God, after I got saved, my wife was my second blessing. Six weeks later, we got married. First Jesus, then my wife. Amen. I need, I need Jesus, and God bless me with a good woman, a good wife. So if you want to walk with God, get humble. Know Jesus. You know, we could get into whole, that whole thing. Get into Bible studies. Know the Word of God. Know Jesus. And know yourself. Know yourself. The third thing is this. I'm going to wrap it up with verse, verse number four. Know Christ. Know yourself. Number three is no others. Let, let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Are you able to see the needs around you? This is part of the calling of being a Christian. Can you tell, even someone in church, can you tell if someone's upset or if someone needs prayer or someone needs time to talk to or whatever. Can you discern that? But see, the Lord is calling us. If you want to walk humbly before God, we've got to get to know people and to read people. Can you see a lost soul? 
Can you tell if a, if, a, if a family is needy? Can you tell if someone's struggling in life? Can you feel it? Can you sense it? Can you feel someone's pain or, or hurt when they're going through something? Can you make time to listen? These are all things that the Lord is calling us to do. If we want to walk humbly with God, we've got to be concerned about other people. Why? Because Jesus is. We are his ambassadors. As though he were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. So there could be someone, you know, someone who's uh, in the faith, maybe that needs some encouragement, or someone not in the faith. If you go back and look at chapter 1, there were a couple of episodes where Paul is saying, I'm a witness to the unsaved, and I'm a witness to the saved. The unsaved are, are seeing that my chains are in Christ. They have meaning. And the saved people, they're encouraged to be bolder in Christ because they see me in my chains. And he encourages the church, be a witness for those on the outside as well as for those on the inside. So, the fields are ripe for harvest, church. I don't know if you saw any of the news from the Satancom event this weekend. I saw a clip last night. Another pastor sent it, or it was on his Facebook page. There was a woman at this meeting that took a Bible. And she said I, something like, I reject this Bible. She ripped out the pages, page, threw them on the ground. Everyone's clapping and cheering. That's the world we're dealing with. Someone's got to be a witness for people. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We may not know it, but people are watching us. I think so many in the world have seen a bad example of what it is to be a Christian. I'm not saying we're perfect, but someone's got to be a light to the lost. Someone's got to take on some responsibility. And above everything else, we can at least, not at least, but we can pray for those dear people that were caught up in that deception down in Boston this week. That's been all over Facebook, too. You know, people are opposed to it and against it and everything. Yeah, we're against it, but those are people. They have an eternal destination somewhere. We need to be concerned about where they're going, where they're going to end up. So anyway, in conclusion, uh, humility, the way of Christ. Know Jesus, know yourself, and know others. Jesus said in Matthew, uh, Mark 8, 34, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And there's no expiration date on that verse, by the way. Well, I did that, Lord, 20 years ago. Well, that's good. That doesn't count now. You have to do it again now. Really? Yeah. Oh, Lord, but I thought I made progress. Yeah, you did make progress, but you haven't arrived yet. Can we stand together? Let's read verses 1 and 2. I think it kind of summarizes what we're talking about here. Read it with me. Therefore... If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. just want to ask you a question. Is there anyone here today that wants to surrender your life to Jesus? You just want to give it up. Give up. We call it a conflict. You want to enter the conflict. Thank you back there. Appreciate that. 
Is there anyone here that wants to think about, pray about getting involved in the body of Christ? No longer being on the outside, but coming on the inside. And maybe, you know, picking up a ministry or getting involved in what we're doing in a way. Thank you. Very good. Here's a big question. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but does anyone need to be humbled? I would say probably all of us, we all need to be humbled. So let's go to the Lord. Father, with those that raise their hands today and others that are thinking about it, we pray, Lord, that the love and conviction of your Holy Spirit would just fall on us right now. Let us see ourselves in this passage of Scripture. Let us think like Paul's writing this letter to us. Well, really, your Holy Spirit is writing this letter to us. Let us understand who you are, who we are, and how we have a responsibility to look out for other people. Lord, I want to thank you for our friend uh, Giordani that will be getting baptized today in the back of the sanctuary. Lord, bless this young man. Let him, let him truly sense your Holy Spirit. And let, uh, for him and for others that are getting baptized today, let it be a, a, a special uh, service, a special moment for them to feel your love, your embrace. Uh, let it be, uh, let it be a, a mark on their life, on their, their history, that on this day, April 30th, 2023, I got baptized in water as a, as a, as a public proclamation of my faith. So, Lord, bless this service this afternoon. But, Lord, help all of us, each of us, walk humbly before you and humbly before one another and humbly before the unsaved. Let our light shine, O God. And let us be quick to give a good defense of our faith when the opportunity presents itself. So, Lord, may your blessing rest upon us now as we go. Uh, bless our time of fellowship in the cafe for a little bit. Bring us back safely later and bless our live stream service tonight as well. So we thank you, Lord. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, <clears throat> you're dismissed. There's coffee in the back there. If anyone needs prayer, I'll be lingering at the altar for a little bit if you want to have some prayer before you go home today. God bless you.